Welcome to the Resilient AF Podcast. I'm Alex Fresh. I'm Amelia Jackson. And I'm Bennett Knows. We believe everything vibrates at a certain frequency, and we're here to raise the vibration. You'll hear stories of incredible resilience, manifestation, and what to do when you find that even resilience has a toll. Because a bitch is tired, honey. Good morning. Morning. Why am I so excited right now? I don't know. It's like you're on crack. No, girl. You're just high on life. Always. Because I have the life force energy flowing through me. I love that for you. I need that right now. Can you like penetrate me with it? Oh, I will certainly penetrate you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) What kind of cards are those? (laughs) They're tarot cards. I just pulled death. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, put it back. back. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't mean an actual death. It's usually like somebody in your life who needs to go. Oh, really? Or like a job or something significant. Oh, right? so maybe that Death, was... rebirth? Right. Exactly. Oh. Maybe that's my whole 2023. Mm-hmm. It pops out again. It's definitely Then for me. it was for... Yeah. Here, I'll do this. I'll do it for you. Yeah. For those of you that don't know what she's doing, she's doing tarot cards. Tarot cards. Ooh, shuffle them in the mic. That's nice. The world! Ooh. Oh, I love that. It's the number... 21 major arcana and there's only 22 but zero is in there okay and it starts with the fool ends with the world the world is very good Ooh, that means like completion and and you have the world right at your fingertips wow so all the maybe. elements you got it going on in your favor hey. oh hey mm-hmm. hey okay amelia you're up oh good and then i'm gonna scared. do one for y'all squared what does amelia need to know don't be scarred girl the magician. Uh. <laughs> Ultimate manifestation. This is another major arcana. It's number one. So the fool zero and then the magician is number one. Love it. It's just manifestation and power. Yes. Good yes. job. Oh. And it's a magician with that magic stick, <laughs> that penetration you were looking the for. The penetration <laughs> I was looking for. I, I love that. Magic stick. Okay, so now I'm doing a card draw for y'all. What do you need to know? For you, the listener. Are you serious right now? It's what the high priestess. It's the number two major arcana. That's what? crazy. Yes. You got 21 for me. Can you do something for me? Hey, and then you got <laughs> I got one. one. And then two. Two. Two, ah! two, one, two, one, two. And one. Oh my it's goodness. Oh my god. And there's only 22 major arcanas, and this is number two. And it's intuition and mystery. It could mean several different things, but in general. It means that you need to trust your intuition, use your intuition, and maybe just keep an eye out because the high priestess always represents maybe secrets. Somebody's keeping a secret or from you or you're keeping a secret from someone else. So just, you know, keep your eye open. And if it's you, shame on you. Secrets don't make friends. That's what I was just going to say. Thank you. So I'm going to do it for myself right now. Hell yeah, do it. Yo, I just pulled the star for me. So number seven, number 17, Major Arcana. And it represents hope and spirituality and a new day after a storm. So, it's I like that dawn, deck a lot. It's a new day. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that one card tarot draw. Yes. I think I'm going to do that every single week. Yeah, why like not? That. Why Just not? do it. All right, moving right along. Bennett, we're going to start with you for peak and pit. Like we peak do. and pit. My peak, like I said last week, it was my birthday. I'm 31 mm-hmm. on my birthday. Um, I had a little dinner. It was really chill. Nothing too crazy. And, you know, I'm just blessed to have another year. 31. Three um, plus one I is do f- four, in case you didn't know. Ooh. I do know that, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I just... <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, 31, blessed to have another year, and I officially feel old now. You know how you wait until you're 13, yeah. and then you wait until you're 16, and then 21, and yeah. then 30, 30, and then like... And then you're over the hill. <laughs> That's it. Isn't it 50s next? It's 50s That's next. a long 40. time from here. 40? Yeah. 40s over Is the it hill. 40? Okay. 31, it's like, it doesn't really have the spice huh. that all the other ones have. You know, you got to wait another nine years to hit 40, so... That's that. And my okay. pit is that my fun employment is over. Oh, uh, hell no. Oh, what do you mean? What does that mean? My unemployment payments since I got laid off, they're done. What do you so mean? So why don't you... What do you call it? It hasn't been that long. Why are they It up? hasn't. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know how unemployment works. Well, so. I don't either, but I feel like you get it longer than mm-hmm. you've gotten it. Listen, guys, I've been looking for a job. I haven't found the right one yet. But as soon as one door closes, mm-hmm. the fu- as soon as the fun employment door closes... Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
the employment job opens. Okay, <laughs> employment door opens. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Cool. But I am looking for a job, so holla at me. Okay, so my peak this week is I got to see my sister. She hey. came oh, yeah. from where she lives and flew over here. I picked her up, and we went on like a whole bunch of adventures. She's making African food right now for yes. us, so I am yes. so stoked I'm to go home with you after this. Hell yeah! Facts. Yeah, no dead ass. I am so serious. What kind of food? I it don't is. know what type of I'm, food, but I know it's African food, and I know I'm getting fufu tonight. And I'm, I'm so West African, excited. and my dad made fufu all the I time. I think so. it was West African mm-hmm. food. I that think it is. Fucking bomb. My pit for this week was honestly, it's nothing that serious. Like I really don't have any like. Look at crazy. you not being prepared again. No, you are not I allowed. Have, <laughs> I have a pit, but like it's so first world problems. Okay, like it's so it? fucking embarrassing. Like I went yesterday to go get my hair braided. Her hair is not braided right now. No, by no, the no. Way. I know it got fully braided. It did. It got fully braided. I took it out last night. Why? Because it just wasn't braided the way it should have been. But oh, I no. think did the you go universe, to an African hair braider? No, I didn't. I went That's to. Well, no, no, she knew what she was doing. It's just she was having a lot of personal issues and she was on the phone dealing with those personal issues. Well, you issues. know, African hair braiders can do that and they, braid really good at the same they time. They probably <laughs> could. Honestly, they probably could. But you know what? My sister and I spoke about it and we we're like, I think that the universe sent us to her because she needed a really good tipper. She only charged 40 bucks. I gave her a hundo. But also she needed like? someone to talk to. Oh. It, it was fine. It was a braid down for a weave. But the thing is, is she braided like my hair back too much. So I looked bald. Stop. And mm. it just wasn't, it wasn't what I had wanted. But again, like if she wasn't so distracted, she would have got that done like yeah. within an hour and a half. Like it was, it was Ooh, fine. That, that was it a lot was longer than right. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you don't, um, um, makes personal business. Yeah, it was very right? personal. Like, I know everything yes, about her that now. is so unprofessional. You know what, though? I'm going to give her a break because she was going through it. So it Damn. was just, you know, it was a little bit of a pit, but, like, it's really not that serious. Yeah, but that's cool. all I can think of. It's okay. just the braids we're Yeah, wait till about. next week. Maybe something will pop up. Okay, so my pit, I've been doing Reiki a lot, mm-hmm. and Reiki is very healing. It's, like, a very loving, sensual thing and what you guys are tripping right now what because you said sensual that I means know. like I'm sexy well i'm i'm, I'm sexy actually girl. a sexual healer i don't have to be that when i do reiki and i normally Wait, i won't you could heal my vagina girl a sex I, doctor. not that it needs it i mean but, but it, what does it need to be healed from I don't even know. Trauma? Trauma. Bad juju. (laughs) From boys? All the nastiness I put up in there. Oh, don't don't put that in there! No, we're not cutting that. That is fucking hilarious. (laughs) All of it up in there. It's already in there. It is. I don't know. I forgot to edit that one out. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. But anyhow, okay, so I mean, there's different ways. Like, I mean, a Reiki healer, you can just heal people. You can just... Cleanser chakras is a normal healing practice. I feel like lately I've been thinking about love a lot because Reiki is very loving and healing. Mm -hmm. And now I just feel like those people who say, I feel like I'm never going to find anybody. I'm like, I feel like that because I have such high standards now. Mm -hmm. And like, it's not like I didn't before, but it's different now. It's going to be really hard for me to give somebody my true 100% loving self and be open to that anytime soon. So it's like, even if I met someone who could possibly be that, I'm just shut off. Mm-hmm. And that's sad for me. Maybe someone will come along and... It's when you least expect that. That's it. who and I thought my last one was. Right. I thought we'd be together forever. And someone that won't, like, trigger anything. Or be a narcissist. It's hard. You know, it's hard when you're moving forward from past relationships. Yeah. Especially when things happened. But I feel like moving forward, you're just setting yourself up for a better lover, someone who's Mm -hmm. going to know how to love you. And you also will be able to take your past situations and be like, this isn't what I want. This is what I want. That's a red flag. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a green flag. Yes. That's a green flag. You know, and somebody will come across and you'll be like, damn. And I think, too, with you, something that my therapist told me a long time ago is she asked me, do you love yourself? And I was like, hmm. Well, when you don't love yourself, you, anybody can come in and they can love you at 30% or 35% or even 50%. And you're going to think that's a huge amount because you love yourself at 1%, 0%, whatever. Mm. So to you, that 50%, that's not even passing when we, it comes to grades, is going to be so much to you. But when you 
fully love yourself, you're going to recognize if someone's only giving you 50% or even like 75% because that's not enough, you know? So I feel like because you love yourself so much and you know what you want, you know what you need, you're going to be able to find a partner that is going to love you at the capacity that you deserve because you know what you deserve, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, because when I do finally give somebody the opportunity, I feel like, damn, that's going to be so long from now. But who knows, right? Anyway, my peak is, um, this is insane because the last few weeks, my peak has been about manifesting queen, really our friendship. And I just can't even believe that like this manifesting is like actually unfolding right in front of my eyes this quickly. Queen announced that she's coming to Seattle. Got sold out in a minute. That's crazy. So I was going to purchase 12 tickets because I want my friends to come. Yeah. Are we your friends? Yes. Yes. Of course. Cool. <laughs> I, I bought two VIP tickets, though. Hey. And the person that I'm bringing with me to the VIP is going to be this girl, Allie, who I met. Oh. <laughs> I was going to have us hold hands like on The Bachelor. Like, the per- <laughs> and the person I'm going to bring to VIP is... Good luck, baby. Uh, well, Neither one of us, bitch. We're we win. both lost. Where's the goddamn camera when you see one rose? Y'all, if you saw it in my eyes when I saw you, you'd be rolling. Like, they both took each other's hand, like, who's she going to say? And then I said it too quickly. I said, Allie. And they both just got, like, so sad. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay, so then, no. The person that I asked was Allie, and I met her at Queen Herbie in New York. She came up behind me in line. She was by herself. Mm. She was going to come with her boyfriend, but he died recently. Oh, Oh, she was grieving at the show. She was, like, talking about him a lot, and it was just, like, the saddest thing. You could tell that she was grieving a lot, and she's been a a fan of Queen for a long time. Her and I were vibing the whole night. Like, we clicked, and we've been talking a lot since I got back. That was weeks and weeks ago. So then I texted her. I'm like, hey, girl, I got two VIP texts to Queen. Do you want to meet her with me? And She she deserves it more than us. She does. Yeah. So she said, yeah, so she's coming. I'm so excited for that. But what I am not excited about is that the other general admission tickets got sold out. Like, I only got the two VIP. I can't, you guys, it said that I got the tickets too. And then it was like, don't refresh this page. It was like time, time, time. Uh-huh. Like, it was like refreshing. Yeah. It's like, don't click back. Don't do anything of this. So I'm like letting it just do its thing. And then all of a sudden it was like sold out. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> But there's, you guys can still go because in New York it was sold out. But there was people last minute who sold their tickets because they couldn't okay, go. Okay, yep. Oh, so, so we just we have to just scalp like, them. We need we to will. find tickets. So I'm meeting her in January. I love oh. that. So Ooh. if y'all don't believe that manifestation is real, I hope you do now. It is that time of the week for another resilient story. Mm-hmm. And this week our guest, his name is Ben Robinson. Welcome. Thanks for being here, Ben. Hello. And Ben is going to talk to us about his addiction with... Ritalin and cocaine. Okay. Well, I'll just hand the mic over to you and let you tell us your story. Yeah. You know, my addiction was... It starts with mental illness. Mm -hmm. Since as long as I can remember. Since I was born. I've always had this very anxious, nervous energy. That as I grew older, because of my frustration with this anxiety and how to deal with it, and like how to get relief, right? Turned to depression. Once you get to a certain age, you're out on your own. So it's like you live with your parents and you talk to your parents about it and you're like, hey, I'm struggling, you know? And, and they don't really know what to do, especially back, I mean, I say back in the day, I'm 43, so it was a while ago. There just wasn't many resources back then. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you'd bring it up to your parents and they're like, they didn't know what to do with it. And um, talking to your friends about it was like an absolute no. Right. Yeah. You did not want to bring it up because yep. then it was like a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess for me, it kind of started when I got out on my own. And so I went to a place called Mount Hood Community College, which had this phenomenal... Mount Hood! Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, they had this phenomenal jazz program. And it was a um, vocal jazz program program so there was the rhythm section which was me we had a bass player and there was a piano player Mm -hmm. so there's three of us but we supported a choir which was i can't remember i think it was like 12 people okay so this was like a dream come true for me yeah. You know, just fantastic. Yeah. But still, I was unfulfilled. You know, I was like, I still had this thing that I thought as I grew up, I figured, you know, get out on my own. It's going to go away. I'll yeah. become an adult. and Things yep. are going to be great and mm-hmm. fantastic. That's kind of what it started for me. And, you know, I just started looking for ways to escape. And the music thing was fantastic. But what comes along with that is a lot of drug use. And in this group, they were very into psychedelics. You know, I drank in high school and smoked some pot. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that was as far as you went. Right. right. You know, 
So then I learn about psychedelics and it's like, oh, well, this is great. I'm going to take these and it'll open up my mind and I'll learn how to chill out and I'll learn how to become an adult. Mm -hmm. And that was the way my brain worked. And it still works that way. Looking for an escape from reality to deal with reality. Mm -hmm. The music thing was going really well. And and yes, I was I was using psychedelics, but we were using it also as like a vehicle to like inspire our creativity. Okay. That was your excuse type of thing. Totally. Okay. So it was like, okay, so then you could take these drugs and like you can stay up all night and play. And I stuck with that program for a year. There was a lot of pressure from my friends that I had grown up with because a lot of them went to the University of Oregon, which is a big party school. They've got football, they've got fraternities, they've got parties, they've got girls, they've got all these things. And I'm in this little podunk town of Gresham, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, the music's fun, but I'm missing out on everything. Like I'm missing out on all the girls and the football and all this stuff. So I ended up quitting after the first year and went to the University of Oregon. You quit the music? Did you quit the psychedelics that went along with it? The psychedelics did not come along, but the music did. Okay. So my intention was to go and try to get picked up by the jazz band at the University of Oregon. Okay. However, the competition there was much stiffer, and it was also a different environment. I didn't fit in at all. <laughs> and so I tried, and it didn't work, you know? And Was so- it like a culture shock for you? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It was a culture shock. And it made the depression and anxiety that I was already feeling multiplied by about 10 million times. Yeah, I can only imagine. That's where it really ramped up. When I was at the University of Oregon, Ritalin and Adderall flowed like, I mean, everybody had it. Mm, Everybody had it. So is Ritalin like Adderall? It's basically the exact same thing. Okay. It's I just think, like the knockoff version. It's like Target versus Walmart. Same thing, just different brands okay. type of thing. Really? Yeah. I mean, at least to me. The only difference I've noticed, because I've taken both a ton, is that Ritalin's more fast acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically like cocaine. So I feel like now a lot of people take Adderall. I don't hear people taking Ritalin. It's not a choice. It's prescribed that way because Adderall is um, it's time released, whereas Ritalin, it's just fast acting and it was instant. So anyways, that was my sophomore year and that's when I first got introduced to these drugs. And the first time I touched them, I loved them. I was like, this is it. This is what I need because it killed my anxiety, killed my depression. I could stay up for days. Didn't have to worry about getting my homework done because I could always get it done. Yeah. And it just seemed like, okay, now I've found like the solution to life. But as anybody will tell you that's had a drug addiction, that's kind of the way it goes. It starts so fantastic. I mean, it's like the best thing in the world. But then as it progresses, it becomes your own living hell. The regulations were much looser back then. So if if you you could basically go on campus and talk to a campus doctor and say, hey, man, I'm having trouble Mm -hmm. focusing. And they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we can give you Ritalin. Like, great. That's one doctor. Then you go down the street. You go see another doctor. It's not like That's that now. Wild. Yeah, when I was on campus, that you could just go and get codeine That's or scissor. Crazy. So everyone was just going, doing the same thing. Oh, I'm sick. Yeah. <laughs> and they would give them codeine. Yeah. That's how it was with, with Ritalin and Adderall. Adderall wasn't as big back then. It was Ritalin. Okay. Ritalin kind of came on the scene first and then Adderall. Um, but that's how we would do it. We would doctor shop. So we would just go from doctor to doctor to doctor and we'd get all these scripts, right? And then you would take them to different pharmacies. So you'd fill it at one and then you'd go to a different pharmacy and you'd fill another one. Mm-hmm. Because the pharmacies weren't talking to each other either at the time. Mm-hmm. So you would just get this mountain of pills and you'd have them all the time. That's how it started and it escalated. For me, it was a lifeline. This mm-hmm. was like, I thought it was perfectly acceptable because in my brain it was like, oh, well, this is prescribed to people. You know, it can't be that big a deal that I'm taking more than I'm supposed to. Yep. Then you start drinking a lot because you're hyped up all the time. And so then it's like, okay, well, now I got to bring myself down. So then you start drinking booze to bring yourself down. So you're constantly in this cycle where you're taking uppers and downers. Mm -hmm. It's the most dangerous thing a person can do. And I did it for years, 
for years, man. So and what did the effect of the Ritalin and the alcohol do to your body that you saw over the years? Okay, at the time, it didn't do anything. But over the years, it devastated my body. I was a big guy. I mean, I was like 210 pounds. I was bloated. Mm. And I was, I had to be high all the time. Otherwise, I couldn't function. Right. And so it became this terrible um, experience where I was hiding it all the time. I wasn't doing it with anybody anymore. It got to a point where I was just doing it alone. This is like, I need it in the morning. I need it at night. I need it all the time mm. just to be baseline. And with that came the cocaine. The cocaine got introduced when I was in college. It was everywhere. And it's like, oh, well, this is even better, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's even better, but it's harder to get and it's more expensive. So it was like, okay, well, I'll do this when I have it. But as long as I got my riddle in, I'm okay. Yeah. So that's that was where I got introduced to it and I got hooked on it right away. Mm. Um, to make things worse for myself, when I became a senior, I met a woman we fell in love and I was absolutely enamored with this lady because guess what? She did it too. She did it too. Oh, okay. okay. She did it too. Mm -hmm. And she was prescribed Ritalin. And so not only was so she beautiful. That was the beautiful, sexiest thing. Yeah. <laughs> she was okay. beautiful. She was funny. And she loved to party. Okay. Uh, she got down too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Made in heaven. Yep. Yeah. And that was. Uh, that was my senior year in college. And honestly, up until that point, I was a model student as far as it went on paper. Okay. My grades were fantastic because I was wired all the time. So it <laughs> yeah. was just like... Fucking if I, genius. I was yeah. a genius. You yeah. know, I didn't remember a damn thing <laughs> oh. after the tests. Yeah. But it was like I could cram the night before all night and it didn't matter. Okay. And I would know everything and I could get that done and then move on and... and I mean, honestly, yeah. I didn't learn anything. I majored in economics, and there's very little that I got out of that yeah. degree. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason why they are not relevant. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. I'm unemployed. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, so I get out of college. I married this woman that I was telling you about. We oh. get married. Okay. I move here to Seattle to be with her. Once I got here, it was about an eight-year relationship. Mm -hmm. And the relationship, it really did center around our drug use. Mm -hmm. This is where things got really bad for me. Okay. Um, but there was a shift in the way that the uh, pharmaceutical companies and doctors, they caught on to yeah. what we were all doing. Uh -huh. Okay, they got yeah. stricter. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you, you can't get your prescription one day early. No. No. You can't. No. And you can't get it twice. And they, they all the pharmacies talk to each oh, other. Healthcare. Yeah. yeah, they got hip to what we were doing, yeah. and all of a sudden, that supply of it's gone. Yep. It gets cut off for me, and and I had it for years. So it was all through college, and then after college, me and my ex-wife were doing it. Um, she was prescribed it, I wasn't anymore, but she was, and we were working the system the same way. And she would mm. go out and do it because she knew that I liked it, and we were doing it together. Mm -hmm. But they get hip to it, and so then it's like, okay, well now she's only got her prescription. I can't touch it because she needs it because she has ADHD and it's actually something she's supposed to be taking. Yeah. So it was just like, it was just like a hard stop. It was, and that was gone. probably causing more anxiety for you. It freaked me out. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I totally was like, I gotta take this. So I was constantly asking her for some that started to put a strain on our relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and so then I'm thinking like, okay, how can I get out of this that I remember cocaine worked. And I was working at the time for my ex-wife's father. He owned a distribution company. You know, you could just walk onto the floor and you could find plenty of people out there that sold drugs. Oh, so it was easy to get. It was easy to get. Yep. <laughs> and so then I realized I can just do this and that'll keep me straight and I can live my life and I can still be the same Ben that I have been for, you know, the past eight years. Yeah. And it'll take the strain that. off of your marriage from constantly asking her. Things will get better. It'll yeah. be fine. So everything will be fine. Yep. And I'll just use this, even though it's really, really expensive. And really bad. And yeah. really bad. You got to keep on going. Yeah. And you got to do it all the time. Yeah. So then I get hooked on cocaine. And that's when things just, I mean, everything just kind of went out of Wait, control. Wait, did you tell your ex-wife when you were hooked on cocaine? 
Oh yeah, she okay. was she was totally on board with it because she's like, oh yeah, I'll do. I'll do you a know, line too. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'll shit. take some deal. Oh my god. <laughs> like, well, you guys both got, were partying. So yeah. yeah. That was the basis of our relationship. Okay, yeah. and it lasted as long as it did, and it was. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. It was a great six years. The okay. last two were awful. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, uh-huh. it was yeah. fun as long as, well, what happened was the, um, so she wanted to kind of take it to the next level. What's the next level? So she, she decided she wasn't going to work anymore. Okay. And initially I was like, okay, that's going to be fine because I'm working for your dad and he's kind of grooming me to kind of, you know, work into the family business. Right. Yeah. And the guy was paying me just way more than I should be paid. And he was doing it intentionally because he wanted to support his daughter. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah. So he was doing it kind of, you know, through me because I was working for him. And so that way he could just pass the company funds through me, which basically went to his daughter. Mm-hmm. So that all worked out for a while until the last two years, several weeks where she would just be gone. She would just disappear. And go where? And just, I don't know. You know, she would just go out and be with whoever really and um i mean i have no idea what she was doing honestly and i don't want to know and i don't care all i know is that it was miserable Mm -hmm. and i hated it and we fought constantly Mm -hmm. and it was just two years of this crap where it was just like i can't deal with this anymore but while she was gone what am i doing i'm just isolating and doing more and more and more drugs Mm -hmm. and it was that constant up and down thing too it was like i'm doing the cocaine and then all of a sudden my my wife's not coming home so now i'm gonna do some more to numb myself and then it's like okay now i gotta get to bed because i gotta go to work so then i'm drinking to put myself to sleep okay so you're just it's just up and down Mm, up and down that was when things got really bad. And then when she left, it just became total isolation for me because it was just, it was devastating. I didn't see myself as that type of guy that was going to ever get divorced for better, for worse. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it didn't, that was really devastating for me. Yeah. And then at the same time, I'm hooked on these drugs and that's when it kind of dawned on me. I was in trouble and I didn't know where to turn. Not only was I using the drugs, but I was isolating. So it was just like, my life was this. I would get up, I would go to work, and I would come home and start using drugs and drinking immediately till I passed out. Then I'd get up and I'd do it again. I'd get up and I'd do it again. And I did that for did that for like 12 years. It was like a cycle of abuse years? to yourself. Yeah. 12 years. My, my life was a mess. I mean, I had zero friends. Oh, you. Okay. I had no social life, zero, nothing. Going to work was your social that life was at that point. It. Okay. And even that became strained because I became less effective as a manager. I was a manager mm. of this business. Yeah. So when you were working there and you start, like, you would start to have withdrawals after a couple of hours, would you start to take it to work or you never did? No, I never did. Okay. Oh, wow. So you I just would try to get through it and, like, exactly. How, though? How do you push through that? Because I have a stomach ache at work, and I'm like, fuck this, I'm going home, I'm canceling my whole day. (laughs) I can't even imagine having the sweats, the shakes, migraine. You probably got migraines or headaches or whatever. I don't know, but... All of that. Oh, Lord, no. You know what made it even worse? Is the anxiety that I feel now was amplified by about 12 billion. And I'm sitting here at work, and I just remember my phone would ring, and I wouldn't answer it. Mm. Mm-hmm. People would email me and I I wouldn't answer, you know, and, until shit would really hit the fan. Then I would really. Then you'd have to play catch up. Then I would have to play catch yeah. up and get and make sure things were. Or if the boss was really hammering me about something, I would get it done. And did you feel more anxiety as well because you had the pressure of that's your wife's dad and you needed to keep up and not disappoint him? Yeah. Too? So this is another part of my story that's really kind of fucked up is that I worked for this guy for 10 years after we broke up. So my boss had been hounding me for years. You know, he saw me every day and he's just like, look, this has got to come to an end at some point, right? He was 100% convinced that I could do it on my own. He's like, Ben, you can do it. You just need to stop. Stop using the drugs, stop drinking, and just, you can do it. It's not that hard. That was his mentality. Like, wow, thank you. Yeah. That was perfect. Thank you. I'll definitely <laughs> yeah, I'll do that, that right now yeah. thank you. as you're shaking uncontrollably. Okay, yeah. He didn't know. He yeah. didn't know any better. Yeah. He, hadn't, he hadn't been Was he through- older, too? 
Yeah, he's an older guy. Okay, so he didn't know. He yeah. doesn't. Okay. You know, in we'll give him a break. He, he didn't. You know, he he hadn't been he hadn't been addicted to anything. Exactly. Before. He, he had know. no idea. Yeah. How it was. Um, but my father was persistent. You know, every holiday I would go home and it was the same thing year after year. It's like, oh God, here comes Ben. And it got to a point where it was like, they didn't really want me around. Oh, damn. Because I was just out of control all the time. Because that was the only way I could handle being around people is that I would just have to get completely trashed because then I felt like, okay, now I'm normal. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't see is that I was being a complete asshole to all, to my family and to everybody. And so that, after hearing that enough times, and looking in the mirror and shaking and just like feeling awful. Mm -hmm. I called my dad because he told me, if you want to go to rehab, like I'll pay for it. He's like, and there's one just right down the street from where he lives. Yeah. He's like, you can come here. And my boss told me a bunch of times, he's like, Ben, if you need time off from work, take it. I don't care. You can come back. Your job will be waiting for you. I just remember I called my dad and I, I said, dad, I think I'm going to die. I'm ready to take you up on that rehab thing so i did and I, I told my boss i was like i'm gonna be out for a while it's gonna be a four-week program and i told him exactly what i was gonna be doing and i kind of came clean about all the drugs i was using and he said all right you know we'll keep your job here he actually paid me while i was still <laughs> while yeah, i was wow. in rehab what the heck so the ch so i still had my money and my dad paid for the rehab and so i went to this place right outside of Salem, Oregon. I don't know if you've ever heard of these places. I'm gonna be completely honest. It's like a five-star hotel where you are pampered. I mean, this place was like, I was in the middle of the woods in this beautiful cabin. We had cooks that would cook for us three meals a day, but did spend a lot of time in therapy. I mean, that's what it was. It was group therapy. So you would wake up and there's group therapy and then you would eat and then there was group therapy and then you would eat again. And then there was more group therapy and you go to exercise, group therapy. And you do that for three weeks straight. But there it was like, it was easy because you're pampered. It was like super comfortable. It was yeah. like a vacation. Yeah. It was like I'm away from work. No, none of the stuff that was bugging me was there. And, and I had all these paid too while you're there. Still, I was still getting paid. Mm -hmm. I had all these counselors that could talk me off a ledge if I felt like I was gonna completely freak out because I went through withdrawals. I will tell you this: one of the things that you have to do before you can get into rehab is you have to detox. So, I mean, not everybody does, but I had to because I'd been using for so long. Mm -hmm. So the detox process takes about a week and it's one of the worst awful experiences I've ever been through. Yeah. I mean, you basically just, you're just in a room and you've got these doctors that kind of keep in check. They check on you to make sure you're not dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how bad it was for me. And so. So when you got out of it, then did you ever relapse? Yeah. So. This is why I think it's a sham. So when my dad picked me up four weeks later, I remember he looked at me and he started crying. He's just like, he's yeah. like, I haven't seen you this healthy in years. Cause it was like, all of a sudden my eyes were clear and it was like the bloating went away mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And he drove me all the way back to Seattle from Salem, Oregon. Mm -hmm. So it's like a good four or five hour mm -hmm. drive. And we talked the whole time and it was just great rainbows and sunshine. He drops me off in my apartment within two days. I'm back at it. Oh, oh damn! Oh, no. Well, it's because they kind of left you out to the wolves afterwards. Well, it was a huge mistake the way that that, that I was set up. That it was set up. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, really... how are you supposed to be successful with yeah. that kind of After situation? A few weeks of pampering and you know being kind of isolated from society and yeah. taken care of, and then they're like, "All right, go." There was no therapy set up or or any follow up. They just kind of let you go. So then, okay, so then you relapsed. Then when did you get sober again? So I relapsed and then within two months, everybody knew that I was Back messed up it. again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so was, I started looking for other solutions and I told my dad too, I was like, dad, I mean, he knew I was, he knew I was back on drugs. And so I'm talking to him. I'm like, dad, I, I got to find another solution. That didn't work. So what I did is I started looking around um, Seattle for recovery communities yeah. and just looking online and just seeing what I could find. And I found this great place in West Seattle and it's a sober house. And what they did there is you check in and it was right on Alki Beach. Mm. I mean, we're talking like this place was great. Um, they called it the beach house. They still call it that. And the guy that runs it, his name's Matt Gold. He is a recovering addict as 
most people are in the recovery community. Mm -hmm. They've all been through it, right? Yeah. I got in contact with this guy and I said, hey, you know, I told him my whole story and that I'd been through rehab and I relapsed and I'm messed up again and I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this cycle. Like, what can I do to get into this sober living community? And he basically told me, he's like, look, man, what you got to do, you got to come and see me when you're sober. <laughs> and I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it. I went and saw him multiple times and he called me out every time. And he oh, just basically shit. said like, look, until you can come see me sober, I can't let you stay here. And so I called my dad and I said, look, I, I think I got a plan, but I got, I got to get sober. I got to be sober for like a week. Can I just come stay with you? Don't let me out of your house, whatever you do. So he came, picked me up, took me to his house in Salem and literally did that. Basically just locked me in there and we didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything. I just sat there and was miserable for a week. Mm -hmm. And then we went straight from there to the place. Matt was there and I told him, I was like, I've been sober for a week. And he drug tested me just to make sure. Mm -hmm. And um, I got into the place and that was what saved me. I ended up living there for a year. The experience was just fantastic for me because it allowed me to keep my job. I could still go to work. I could come and go. But what they did was every time you left the house, you would get drug tested before you came back in. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Damn. they didn't play any games. So if you failed a drug test, then that was it. You were kicked out of the house. So prior to me moving in there, me and my father went to my old apartment, the one that I'd relapsed in and where all the bad memories were. Mm -hmm. I went there and we took everything out of that apartment and we threw it into a dumpster. Aww. I mean, I literally yep. burned all of it. Yeah. Just got rid of everything. And I got rid of the apartment. Um, so I had nowhere to go. So it was like, it's either I get this right or I'm living on the street. And I did that intentionally to force the situation. Yeah, because you're resilient. You would rather do that than live on the streets. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this is my only option now. I have to be sober or I'm going to be that, right. you know, homeless guy that's walking around hooked on drugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you made it a year and then you moved out. Did you get like a new house or what, what did you do after that? So after the year I moved, um, I stayed in the exact same area. So I rented an apartment on Alki beach, maybe five blocks away from this house I'd been living in. I'd made friends there. So that was your safe zone. That was my safe mm -hmm. zone. So I stayed there yeah. for, for a while and was able to continue the, we would go to AA meetings together every day. Mm -hmm. We would oftentimes have AA meetings, like just as ourselves, like we Love would it. just hang out and just totally. go over the, they call it the big book, which mm -hmm. is a book that's all about uh, recovery and it's like your Bible. Meetings, by the way. Yeah. Like, it's like the Bible for recovery. Yeah. 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 I've gone to Al-Anon meetings and just having the resources and going to meetings like that is so helpful. Yeah. yeah. If anybody's struggling, find an AA or Al-Anon meeting. You will love it. And they're everywhere. All the I time. Mean, multiple times a day. Multiple times. It doesn't matter where you are in the yeah. country. They're app. You can hop on calls at any time pretty much. Yeah. That's what I used to do. So I used to have the app and I would just jump on the thing because I needed to be in mm -hmm. these AA meetings because okay. that was the only way I was going to make it is I had to I had to continue this, this thing. That's, Consistency. Yeah. So that was about three years of my life. Uh, well, it was one year at the sober house. And then once I left, I moved into the apartment on Alki. And that was two years that I stayed close to that group there. Then I discovered running. 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 Running saved my life and it's it's the reason that i am like jogging yes oh okay okay i'm like running is that a program no is no like i'm just something? talking about putting on running shoes mm -hmm. and going out the front door yeah and that was that for some reason it just took me this long to figure it out that that is my salvation so you still run today every day nice how long how far do you run a day well so i was running uh between 13 to 16 miles a day what yeah what? That's so, a half marathon. Yeah. Put him on the track. I was doing that. All, I was doing it every day. What? I can't even. Oh. Okay. I feel real bad about myself right now. That's why. He's a runner. He's a track star. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. And it was because the endorphins, man. Right, it right. replaced all that all that stuff. And, oh, and it, yeah. Because yeah. you were doing, I mean, goddamn, yeah. you were doing two grams a day. So this is like that high for you instead. Sure. Yeah. In a so, healthy way. In a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I got addicted to it. And I just went 
balls to the wall. I did that for a good four years. You know, I started off slow. It wasn't like I hit 13 to 16 right. a day right away, but yeah, but I it. ramped up pretty quick, man. Yeah. I mean, and I was up there, yeah, running trails wow. and just running anywhere, man. I just love it. And I still do to this day. Um, That's crazy. The, on, the only setback I had was I overdid it to the point where I tore uh, labrums. Yikes. Yeah, very, Howie. very painful. Yeah. Have you ever had... Um, Oh, Talks. plantar fasciitis? Yes. yes. No, I never got plantar fasciitis. I used to run a lot, and I used to get it a lot. Wait, what is that? It just is it's pain on the your foot. Yeah. No, that's why I don't run. I don't, it sounds like <laughs> a fucking nightmare, to be honest, but I love that for you. I'm glad you love that. But anyways, it was like, but it was another addiction, right? I replaced one addiction yeah. with another. Yeah. Even though this was a healthy one, right. I did it to the point where I destroyed my body. Oh, yeah. And so I ended yeah. up having to have surgery on my right hip. And my left one's okay now because of strength training, but I can't I can't run like I used to. I can still run. I still run probably about four miles a day. Yeah. But maybe that's what you needed in that time, though, to get off of that previous real. addiction. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Hundred percent. And you know, it's just that the running and just exercise in general. I mean, I I can say this to anybody out there listening. If you're struggling with uh, uh, mental you know, anxiety or depression, that's the answer. Mm -hmm. Exercise. Gosh. Exercise. One of our previous guests who said had this. an addiction said the same exact mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yep. So you've heard it here twice now at the I, gym. If you're feeling down at all, it'll help. It for sure will drink more water, eat right food, yeah. exercise. It is actually like a crazy that you picked running because it's intense. Like it's hard. A lot of people, you know, don't like to run. It's hard. It's like hard on your body. And then you just went full balls to the wall. It is very hard on your body. So like I went balls to the wall and that's why I have a, a bunch of problems right now. But if you're smart problems. about it, yeah. yeah, not drug problems. Right. Yeah. If you're smart about it, you can do it much longer than I was able to. I yeah. can still run. I don't have a chance of running a marathon now. Right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, you can. You just got to believe in yourself, Ben. Well, I know. I'm, I'm, you got to train for it. You can I do want it. to. I know you could. I, know I you want could. to. Well, I appreciate that because that's, yeah. I, you know, You'd if that surprised. happened, I would be start doing ecstatic. Big, start doing Bikram, Bikram yoga three to five days a week and you'll be, you'll be there in like a year. I've heard that. So I don't run every day now. So I switch it off. So I'll run and then the next day I'll do um, just physical therapy stuff, like mm -hmm. stuff with resistance bands and mm -hmm. just trying to strengthen the muscles around the muscles I've destroyed. And you can do that. You can fix sure. problems that you have just through physical therapy. For sure. You really physical don't. Physical therapy is amazing. Yeah, it is. Also Reiki. Reiki. Have you heard of Reiki? No, I haven't. Reiki is energy healing. So you can, energy flows through the healer and can help injuries and emotional i've never heard of that. so oh, that cool. helps but hot yoga for sure would for sure strengthen it a lot yeah hot yoga um has been suggested to me several times i haven't tried it yet i've done regular yoga you would love hot yoga i think i would <laughs> <laughs> because well, you sweat so one of the things that like i have to like i can't feel satisfied unless i've had unless i've broken a sweat oh go to bikram yeah <laughs> You'll be sweating uh, the second you walk in. It's 105 degrees. Sounds like oh, hell. Man. Yeah. Sounds like hell. You'll accomplish every single time. Yeah. I used to or do dead. it for a long time, and I had a back, like a bad back. So my lumbar, when I was all growing up, because I played basketball, I would just strain my lumbar, like just bending over wrong. And so I started going to Bikram yoga, and after, I mean, I did it for four years, but I haven't strained my back since I stopped going to yoga. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it really strengthened. It helped mm -hmm. so much. Okay, Ben, so... I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me what you think. What do you think resilience means? What does it mean to you? To me, it means, you know, getting up when things are just, when when you just feel like the whole weight of the world's on your shoulders and everything is coming to an end. Because I've felt that a lot. Try to find a way to get back on track. I mean, that's, my resilience has been that. Even though I knew my life was spiraling out of control, I still found it upon myself to say, you know, I needed help. Mm -hmm. I asked for mm -hmm. help. And and believing in yourself that you would get better and that you would do it and follow through. Yeah. And that you were serious about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like part of being resilient is passing it down, like inspiring others yeah. from your I, story, you know? Absolutely. Even if it just helps one person. And know? I think yeah. it will help a lot. Yep. I appreciate you guys giving me a platform here just to kind of speak my mind. It benefits me too. 
Yeah. Just to talk about this stuff mm -hmm. because it's like I'm talking about really dark periods of my life yeah. that were that were really, really, really bad. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. And, and you're sharing it with people who are there right now who you yeah. might actually even help yeah. today talking about it. And I hope so. That would make me really, really, really happy. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's it for this week. So now we're moving on to the conspiracy time. And what I decided to do with this time is MK Ultra. I don't know what that Ooh. is. Okay, so we touched on MK Ultra a couple weeks ago. Okay. And we're gonna just dive right into it. Let's we're do gonna it. Dive deep today. So MK Ultra was an illegal human experimentation program. It was undertaken by the US Central Intelligence Agency and intended to develop procedures and identify drugs that could be used during interrogations to weaken people and force confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. It began in 1953 and was halted in 1973. MKUltra used numerous methods to manipulate its subjects' mental states and brain functions, such as covert administration of high doses of psychoactive drugs, especially LSD, and other chemicals without the subject's consent, electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and other forms of torture. Basically, in today's terms, would be celebrities like a-list celebrities being controlled by mk ultra like mm -hmm. katie perry cardi b just a ton of people like that are very well known bennett was the one who actually told me about mk ultra and it is pretty freaking weird yeah because like these celebrities will be like in mid-sentence talking and then all of a sudden they'll just shut off and they'll just like be staring at nothing and they'll just not be talking they have no reactions to anything and then people around them who work wherever they are know about this it looks like because they see it happen immediately and then take action to try and get the person back mm -hmm. to, and they'll say certain things three times in a row, like the same sentence or the same words three times in a row, oh, and then they'll come back. What? Yeah, there's videos online too. So many. I feel like they put the celebrities, like they'll give them MKUltra or put them under that hypnosis for like high caliber events and stuff. So are you saying that they it's give like them this drug before a big event, whatever. I don't think it's a drug. Uh, I think it's like a procedure. It's like electrowaves on your mm, on your brain. Okay. And I also think it's all the time. I think they do it to them all the time. They don't even have to be around her. Oh, you think once they do it once, it's just forever type of thing. They mm -hmm. can just press a button and something. And I've been seeing things that have been saying like hey, ultra is television too. Like sometimes if you watch a lot of television, it's a very minor form of programming uh, oh my god for human minds yes you know actually they made a commercial they go behind the hollywood sign and there's like all these people on their computers or whatever and he's like we use tv to control your little minds whatever and then it was saying like subscribe to hulu but it also goes back to how for their karma they're supposed to tell us these things right. mm. in order to get good karma yes. and be successful and so he straight up told us this but like it looked not real because it was a commercial and they outright said it to us so that is very true i think okay. that they do try mm -hmm. and hypnotize us or not hypnotize what, what's the kind of word? programming hypnoti yeah. hypnotizing yeah it's vegetables essentially <sighs> I'm yeah. gonna play this video. Y'all wanna be involved so get bad, but get nobody asked me about no damn gift. What's good? <laughs> so is that is there gonna be a public registry? Because I'm gonna be honest with you. Take the gift cards. One, take the gift cards. Two, take the gift cards. Three. Yeah, because they might pull. What's that thing that was going She's around back. in the early 2008? Man, I feel nervous, a little bit overwhelmed. I feel a little shaky. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me. No, no, but it's good. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. You're going to It's good. It's like a shit. look great. She came oh. back. It's good. It's good. It's good. She knew right away what happened. Even. Do you think that they are? They yes, all they know, all know, so they know sure. what to say. One hundred percent. Okay. So then, is being a celebrity even really possible? Because you have to kind of be a robot. No. Like, how you, is you it? You either have to be in, uh huh, or you are out. Hollywood's like um a cult. Yeah. Okay. So then and how realistic the is it for someone like us to get famous? I don't think we'll ever be in Hollywood because we don't have a dark soul. We don't want evil. We don't want like, yeah. they all have to agree to a lot of heinous things. Really? And they want to. To get to that caliber yes. of being a celebrity. I believe so, yes. Ooh. So, and if you don't, and if those type of celebrities ask people who are coming up and coming into, so they're, and they say no, then they'll be casted out and uh -huh. they'll be casted away. So gone. they're basically puppets for our entertainment. Correct. And for people to make, we money think it's also. entertainment, but industry, it's really programming. Industry plants. Yeah. Ooh. So we think it's entertainment, but they are controlling us because they know people look up to musicians and people in Hollywood. It sets the tone for our society. So 
they were also saying recently that there was the first industry plant at the Chargers game. I seen that. What? What do you mean? It was like a video that went viral of like some lady cheering, but it went viral and at all and of. I, what is the conspiracy about it though? Why would they think that she's a plant? Huh. It's weird. Maybe to get you more excited about football, to get you. It was a woman distracted mm-hmm. from the things that are really going on in because, the world. Yeah, because sports is a huge, huge thing. It's yeah. a mm-hmm. huge distraction. I mean, people plan their whole fucking days around it. One hundred percent evil entertainment. Whoa. But yeah. Is that why Hillary Duff isn't like as famous? Because she probably didn't sell her soul. There's a lot of people who, even are though like, she should be fucking famous, because she was like an icon back when we were people younger. People also could just like nom good stories out there. There's like a girl from Disney who, um, her video, she was like, "Y'all, I'm out of this. I'm not doing it anymore. Like Hollywood's evil. You won't see me again. I'm out." Ooh, yeah. yeah. And there's been several people who have spoken up about the elite in Hollywood and what they're doing, and they just all of a sudden are dead. Yeah. And like they'll say, like, if I end up dead, just know that I'm not suicidal. Like if you want to be in Hollywood and you want to be successful, you don't tell what's going on. You don't tell Yeah, you have to keep it a secret. You know, Kanye told he's Mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. Tory Lanez, gone. Yep. Stop. Yeah. Tory Lanez. He didn't really shoot Megan. That should be a conspiracy. Dude. Before the Meg the Sallion thing happened and all of that happened. I seen Tory post on his page. He yeah. was like, Capitol Records, if you guys don't let me release my music or if you guys don't let me out of my contract, I'm going to tell all your secrets and everything Ooh. that happened. <laughs> Everybody in the comments were like, don't do it, Tory. Don't do <laughs> it. Like, you're wilding. They're going to kill you. Yeah. Like, this was in real time. Yep. I seen this, my eyes, his page, people in the comments literally yep. being like, don't do it. They're going to kill <gasps> you. Boom. And then the whole Meg the Stallion thing happened. And the whole Kylie Jenner, like... Kylie hasn't said anything about it. But I've seen that live, too. We'll save this. We'll save save it. Some people might not know who these people are. So let's wait until next week, and we'll just start from the beginning with that whole thing. It's relevant as fuck. Yeah, that's so good. All right, cool. Well, that wraps up the conspiracy for this week. Yay! Um, I hope y'all enjoyed it. What do you think about MKUltra? Hit us up on Instagram at ResilientAF3. Let us know if you think that... The government is controlling celebrities. <laughs> and let's see, what's on the menu for next week? Um, of course, we're going to do our peak and pit. Peak and and pit. I think I'm going to start with the daily tarot card draw every for week. the week. Every week. Okay. Yeah, hell yeah. Then we're going to go into, I kind of want to hear another night ballerina yeah. story from Amelia. Do you? It's been a little while. It has. Okay. They're juicy and they're fucking funny. So mm-hmm. I feel like we should do that next week. Okay. Then our resilient guest is going to be Holly, and okay. she is a therapist, but you know she's going to talk about why she thinks that she's resilient. And then we're going to wrap it up with another conspiracy about, y'all already heard it, Tory Lanez and that <laughs> whole thing. And if you don't know what it is, then tune in next week and you'll find out. I'm so excited yeah. that one. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at resilientaf3. You can follow all of us individually. I'm at that Dreas. I'm at Emilia Jackson 94 And I'm at Bennett Nose. Have a good week. Yes, have a good one. Bye. Yep.